All right, you're now tuned in to the follow through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 220. Clay makes his debut back in the Bay. The Clippers and Lakers both suck, but you know who doesn't? The Memphis Grizzlies. We're going to break them down. And Russell Westbrook gets trolled by the Sacramento Kings. It's the follow through with Clips and Drew. Drew, kick that intro music. What up, podcast world? What's up, everybody? You know what it is. You know where you're at. It is the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 220. Uh, This episode is my weight. 220 is just (laughs) right up my alley. This means we're going to crush this this episode. Hey, last time we hopped on here, we were excited and we were anticipating the return of Clay Thompson. And from... From everything I read and saw, like it was like the most watched game of the year. It was like more than the finals had last year. And it lived mm. up to everything I thought it was going to be. I was super stoked to see Clay back. He came back in brilliant fashion. We we kind of called it that, yo, g- give him the green light. He took the first three of the game and then came down and had a yammy, which was even better. Um, but it was a great game. It was great to see Clay back. What'd you think? Oh, man, that was so exciting. I think uh, the dunk, I almost had a heart attack when he went up for the dunk. Uh, I thought for sure something terrible was going to happen. Obviously, everybody knows that's how he tore the ACL that started all this that led to the Achilles two over two years ago. So I was very I was like, whoa, like, I can't believe he took it to the rack that hard and then threw it down. That was the most electric moment this season for me watching <laughs> watching the Warriors. I was more hyped about that dunk than Steph's record-breaking three or anything else that has happened uh, for the Warriors. So it, it is great to have Clay back. Um, I think physically, he looks great. I think the Warriors were able to give him exactly the amount of time that he needed to come back. Uh, I don't think he could have been more prepared or more ready than than possible until getting out like you know that next phase of being ready is healthy but then you get into the game and it takes a little while to get into the rhythm of the game but the thing outside of the dunk that was awesome for me is he just fire he's just firing the rock <laughs> jack and three he's just literally he's just shooting the ball it was 18 shots in 20 minutes he's just like yeah I'm, I'm gonna let these fly it is what it is and you could see how excited he was uh for for that whole that whole day I mean and and, and you know, Draymond checking in to start the game and then like immediately checking out just because he wanted to be a part of it. Like you can see it meant everything, not only to Clay, but to the entire team to the point where like in that first, you know, couple minutes, everyone was just trying to feed Clay, right? Even Steph was passing up. Like everyone was like, oh, where's Clay? I'm driving to the basket. I have to throw it to Clay at some point so he can ke- he can make that first three pointer and officially be back. But it was a big, big game for them. Good win. You know, the other thing is like Steph, when, when when something like this happens to a guy who's not the best player on the team and not the superstar on the team, sometimes that superstar can get a little salty. But Steph is such a gracious, like MVP of the team and the best player on the team. Like he just he was so excited for Clay, just like we all were. Uh, and that that part of it was really cool to see, to see Steph be like super stoked as well for clay and like getting all hyped and making sure that, you know, he was getting his looks, even though Steph's, you know, been arguably one of the best players in the league this year. It was, it was definitely a little messy there for a little while. I mean, just trying to get clay, the rock, it was messy. I thought the, you know, everything you just said about Draymond, I thought that was perfect. These guys have been ride or die together for years. I thought that was big on Draymond's part. I got the chills saying that I thought, Everything you just said about the dunk, too. I mean, that push dribble to get him through the through the defense really fast and then get up off the ground and, and yam it like that was was crazy. And then there was a moment after the game, dude. And I've said this before on the show. I don't know if it's because I'm getting older or whatever, but I'm starting to tear up and cry a lot, okay? I don't know what – maybe it's because I live alone. I don't know what this is. And I, I mean, even on Instagram, if you show me, a, like, a, a dog with a baby clip, I'm crying, right? And <laughs> – Hearing Clay after the game, again, this is a guy that we both had looked up, look up to. And, you know, I think 
we relate to Clay a lot more than we can relate to a lot of other NBA guys. And just the way he was talking about coming back on the court and playing after this uh, this long, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, obviously it's not to the same extent. I know what it's like to tear an ACL. I know what it's like when when the doctor said, "Yo, you'll never be able to play basketball again," right? And obviously I didn't play at a professional level, but when you get back out there and play the game that you love so much, right? It means a lot. And you could hear in his voice and in his eyes when he was talking to the reporter how much that game meant to him, right? So I just thought it was a really big moment. It was a great moment for them. I thought, you know, Drew, this is crazy. And I'm going to talk about Top Shot later, right? But they're, they've been doing these crazy challenges, which I'll get into later. And the the challenge that night was to get Clay's first, you know, finally his first moment um, besides his top shot debut, which was, you know, from five years ago, but, and we didn't know what the moment was going to be right. Or how hard the challenge was going to be to get it, but it was the dunk. That was the moment that in order to get, I, I send it to our boy, Jeff Crompton, because I did every, I ha- I was lucky enough to have all the moments needed. You needed rares. You needed the clay Thompson debut and you needed the five top store scores that night. I, I swore that no matter what it was, I'm getting that moment. So I did get the moment, only 7,000 people completed it, but I have the dunk and the snarl is on the moment as well. So I'm stoked. Oh my God, that's fantastic. I can't believe you got that moment, dude. But I, so the snarl, I was not a huge fan of the snarl, of the clay upper lip thing that was happening. I have yeah, to what, Clay before. Hero? Is that his name now? Yeah, right. Yeah, that was the only thing about that night that I was like, all right, Clay. Like, I mean, we all, we're all here. We're all riding for you, brother. But like that, that one was weird. And I'll give it to him though. He just yammed. He can make whatever face he wants. But he was doing that lip curl thing, the lip raise, the snarl, the, like the whole first half. So I was not a huge fan of that. Clay doesn't need to do any of that. He, he like, he normally doesn't. He's normally, you know, super stoic. Uh, so I, it was surprising to see. But also, I, you know, dude, I, he, he could have done whatever. He could have done a cartwheel out there and I would have supported <laughs> the guy. But the I think the interesting thing for me is now moving forward, like it's nice to see Clay back. We kind of know how he's going to be. I, I would say he's at least athletically. Uh, I don't know. He's not as quick laterally as he was. 80 percent, 80 percent. But he's he's there. Right. right. Like he's, he's dunking. He's running. He's he's falling over on top of referees. Uh, you know, all of the things that Clay would normally do when he was physically fit at 100 percent. So I think he's good and he's clearly going to start for them. I think the big pivot for the Warriors is now how do you keep everyone else involved? Right. So Clay's in there. We know what he's going to do. He's going to be able to catch and shoot. He's going to be able to defend pretty good uh even still but like jordan Poole's minutes and shots obviously going to drop because he moved to the bench and i think that suits him a bit um as a six-man candidate which is great and i still think he'll do well there but like keeping pool and wiggins both involved and engaged without like you know completely dropping their their level of shots i think will be important and the interesting thing is i mean they just got waxed the warriors just got completely toasted by the bucks <laughs> uh last night which is weird, but they, you know, the, the thing that I'm getting to is Draymond has been out and will be out for a while with this calf injury. While Draymond's out, I think they should start playing Clay at the four. And then when Draymond comes back, you, you, you have the option to keep Looney in there or, you know, whatever, and, and Draymond at the four. You can go super small and have Draymond at the five and Clay at the four because while Clay's lateral quickness is not the same, he's still pretty big, pretty tall and relatively strong I think that would be a fun lineup for the for the Warriors to try and test out while Draymond's out in order to keep Poole involved because then you can go Curry, Poole, Wiggins, Clay, Looney and that's a pretty good five right there. Yeah I think the other concern right now is is Steph shooting I mean this is a guy that uh, we never really talk about his bad shooting but he's been he's been awful the past three four games like really bad he's been in a really bad slump I like what you're talking about with Poole. I think once Poole um, can start getting comfortable in that six-man role, I think it'll work really well for him. And again, I mean, we can we can talk this to death. They have a bunch of really good players coming off the bench. We haven't even got to see, like, really what Kuminga can do, Toscano Anderson, Damian Lee. Like, you got all these guys that can really co- – uh, Gary Payton. I mean, come on. You got all these guys that can get buckets and like to play defense. They are going to be scary once they figure this out. And we're also seeing like how important Draymond is, right, to their to their whole offense and defense. I mean, Dre is still he could be up for defensive player of the year right now. 
as it is, you know? So yep. um, it's going to take a lot of getting used to, especially, you know, since, since Jordan Poole has been having such a great season starting and, and uh, really coming into his own as a starter. And you kind of get comfortable with those five starters that you start with. And now you're kind of getting thrown into, you know, a different kind of role, but I think it's a more productive role for Jordan because Jordan's going to have to be more, you know, um, attack the rim more and be looking for his shots much more, which I think he looks very comfortable doing. They're still, they're still very scary, Drew. Um, oh yeah. Especially once, once, once Clay gets his, his legs back and he starts figuring it out, it's going to take him a couple weeks, man. It really is. So uh, I, I, I am scared about that, but it's really good. The NBA is just better when Clay's back, right? Yeah, it felt great to have him back. And it did feel like everyone, you know, even on the Cavs, I mean, like the, the, the Kevin Love aspect of Clay coming back, they, you know, they're, they're childhood friends and all that. So, like, I feel like everyone in the gym, even the Cavs and, you know, I don't know, people who hate the Warriors, uh, you know, Cleveland fans, I guess, would be the, the, the majority of people that hate the Warriors. Like anybody who didn't, doesn't like the Warriors, doesn't like Steph, even those people had to have been like, this is, this is a great moment. It, it's lucky that it happened in the era that it happened for Clay because his career would have been done 10 years, even 10 years ago. I don't think he would have come back from, from those two surgeries this quickly and this well. So yeah. I think I'm, I'm just happy that it happened now. Yeah, and it's crazy because, you know, in our group chat with our homies with Crompton and, and our boy Matt and Douchebag John, John asked the question, like, is there is there another player as beloved as Clay Thompson? And it's like, dude, do you not listen to our show? Because we literally just talked about this. They swear they listen to our show, dude. And if, and if, if Douchebag John's listening to this, you're about four or five episodes behind. Um I think I think we're both right. Like, yo, Steph and Clay are it's hard not to like these guys, right? It's hard not um to to hope that these guys do well. Like we love these guys, but we're also the point I made in that group chat was like now everybody is homies, right? Like everybody is is pushing for everybody. And there was I I, I don't know if it was Al Harrington was on on Matt Barnes pod or if it was Stacks got a new pod now too. Um but he was saying like, yo, back in my time, you didn't talk and you didn't fuck with or work out with anybody that wasn't on your team. Now everybody is growing. And it's like the LeBron era. LeBron's the big bro, the big homie. Everybody's the little cousin, my little bro, shit like that. And it's not the same anymore. So I think there's more, which is a good thing. I'm fine with it. Like I, I, people always want us to go back to the eighties where we all hate each other. And it's like, it's really hard. Like Clay Thompson and Kevin Love played, played T-ball together, right? Like Clay Thompson tells a story about how he beamed Kevin Love. Like they've known each other since they were four. So it's hard not to like root for somebody that or that you've grown up playing on the same AAU teams or circuits or all-star teams or whatnot. It's hard. It's hard, right? But back in the day, like you didn't play against people from California if you were from New York. Really, you really didn't. Didn't work out like that. So I don't know. You're right. I, I would judge somebody if they said, you know what, man, fuck Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. I, I don't like either one of those dudes. Give me, yeah. give me three reasons why, bro. Yeah, right. Exactly. And all three of them have nothing to do with basketball. Um, anyway, that I, I, I really enjoyed watching Clay come back and the Memphis game was fine, too. Uh, obviously, the Milwaukee game was a shitter for everybody. So we're not going to count that. But uh, just to kind of finish up on the rotation piece, uh, I think what you said about Poole is 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 correct. I think he'll find some some joy in the second unit. And especially when James Wiseman who's also supposed to be coming back relatively soon in the next couple of weeks when he comes back, I think they're going to have a great second unit pick and roll with Wiseman and pool. And then you have Porter out there or whoever else, you know, Peyton Lee, whoever else is out there, Iggy kind of spotting up in the corners or cutting when they need to. But I think that second unit could be really pretty dangerous and, and really great for Wiseman to just have, I'm going to be the pick and roll guy. I'm just going to set a screen and I'm going to roll the hoop and Poole's going to do his thing. And if he can find me, I'm going to flush it. Just make it very simple for Wiseman in his return so that he's not looking lost out there. You know what Wiseman uh, should do? Wiseman should just watch clips of Rudy Gobert all day long. That's it. Watch how Rudy Gobert plays and do exactly what that guy does. Set a screen, roll, pick up the trash. That's it. We don't want anything else from you. Nothing. I think, exactly. you know, I don't, want to, I don't want to talk about this to death, but you brought it up earlier. I think the one person that might get lost in this who has been so important to them all season is Wiggins, right? Because he's been so great for them all season. And 
all those players we just mentioned get buckets, right? Like they can all, you got Steph, you got Poole, you got Wiggins, you've got, well, I'm not going to say Draymond can get buckets, but <laughs> everybody can. And I, you know, Wiggins has been so good for them this year that they could even trade away Wiggins right now and be fine, but he's been so good for them. Like what else would they need? I'd rather have more scoring than anything else on their team. I don't know what else they would, they would possibly need to, to like to make them better. There's nothing, there's no, there's no trade out there that I think at this point, you know, unless they really wanted to go for like Ben Simmons or like some, some really kind of game changing guy that's available. Uh, and I don't even know who that would be. I don't, I don't see them adding anybody. I, I don't, and I, to your point, I don't think they need to. Mm. I think they have so much depth. It's more about like figuring out the pecking order and the rotations that work well together, unless they really wanted to get creative and put like, the super young guys like Kaminga and Wiseman in some sort of package and Moody or whatever, that would be the only thing, but I don't know what they would actually want to get in return unless you're getting a powerhouse kind of center. If you can package something for like a miles Turner, uh, you know, an actual, an actual center that can, <laughs> that could defend Jokic and defend Aiton and Anthony Davis and all those guys are going to and Gobert. So Outside of that piece happening, I don't think that anything will will. I don't think the, the Warriors are going to add anybody at this point in time to the roster. But the Wiggins thing is interesting, right? Like in the three games that Clay has come back, he has only shot nine, twelve, and eleven times in those games. Mm. So it's obvious, right? It's already happening to him. And then I think Jordan Poole as well, who's Jordan Poole, who's averaging seventeen points a game this year, which is awesome. Oh, he's still jacking shots. 12, 11, and 7. 12, 11, and 7 for, for Poole, which is good, which means that he is finding those shots available in the second unit coming off the bench. But I think that Wiggins thing, it, hopefully when everything settles down, uh, he won't feel as neat. Like, I feel like everyone wants to get Clay the ball, right? They just, they just want to do it or they want to get Seth the ball because he's shooting bad and they want to get him out of a slump. And I think maybe when everyone settles down here in a couple weeks, Wiggins should find his side alongside Clay, and everyone will have their piece of the pie. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, going from who we're talking about as being one of the most beloved players in the NBA, some crazy shit happened last night with your boys. And I know you don't want to talk about the Lakers too much right now because it's it's been a travesty, but the Clippers have too, and I don't want to talk about them either, but we will. Um, <laughs> the Sacramento Kings last night, I thought it was hilarious, all right? They started playing... Uh, cold as ice by foreigner every single time Russell Westbrook missed a shot. Right. And it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't like at the free throw line. It was literally during the play. Russell would shoot, miss a shot. You're as cold, cold as, ice. as ice. Shoot it again. You're as cold as that. It just kept going. Right. And I thought it was great. And then at the end of the game, they put him on the billboard saying the ice cold player of the game, Russell Westbrook, heavy troll, right? Super troll factor. I thought it was funny. The, the Sacramento Kings, they're doing this specifically for Westbrook because he's been shooting so badly, so poorly. And there was a funny tweet I saw the other day that said, can ESPN bring sports science back that show so that we can figure out why Russell Westbrook keeps hitting the top of the backboard or airballing when he's shooting? Because it's been that bad, Drew. Like, if it was some Markel Fultz thing, like, yo, he got in a motorcycle accident, there's something wrong with his shoulder, I'd understand it. But, yo, he looks atrocious. So. The, the, the Kings troll him after the game and then they bring it up to him in the press conference. And then he's like, well, yeah, check the last 14 years. And he does have a point about that. And I want to bring this up too, because I'm all for the troll. Like what, what do we talk? Adam Silver came out today and said the NBA is not letting them do that anymore. They're not letting them play cold as ice with any player, whether it be Russell Westbrook or anybody else. And I'm like, yo, how soft are we getting now, right? Like, are we going to tell NBA fans, hey, you guys know what? There's no booing allowed either. You're not allowed to boo <laughs> players anymore. It's just, it's a little too much. We're getting so sensitive, right? What'd you think about that? Uh, I thought it was hilarious as well. I thought that was really, really funny uh, that the Kings would would throw that out there. Um, and of course, you know, we, we always used to make fun of Kevin Durant for being captain sensitive on this podcast. And uh, Russ is not necessarily, you know, the most armored individual when it comes to like the thick skin aspect as well. He always gets pretty sensitive himself. So this is not a surprise to me. Uh, I, you know, I don't know necessarily if Russell would have said anything about it 
if it wasn't brought up to him. Cause I think in the moment, I don't even know if he heard it, you know, like, cause the, the, the noise of the arena is going on and maybe he heard it and maybe he, he was just going <laughs> to let it go. It, but bro. then, but, but then as soon as someone brings it up, then he has to like address it. And I can understand why he wouldn't want that being played in the arena. Uh, but at the same time, dude, it's like, this is it. I don't know what he should expect from an away it's not like the lakers were doing it you know it's not like his home team i mean this is the fun of going to it's supposed to be fun for the people in the stands and it's the sacramento kings who only ever beat the lakers and the clippers apparently as the only teams they ever fucking beat (laughs) is the two of us uh and so and and look i think it was uh appropriate because of how fucking bad russell westbrook has been shooting You, you already touched it but i'll just i'll relay some of these numbers in that game he was two of 14 from the field. That's solid 14% right there. The previous game <laughs> against Memphis in another loss, two of 12, real solid there as well. And then the previous game before that was against Atlanta, a game that we won, thank God. He was four of 14. Those are just the last three games. And in the, in the games before that, seven of 19 and seven of 16, not exactly tremendously great numbers. Uh, but specifically in those last three games, I mean, what is that? That's eight for... 28, 38. That's eight for 40 <laughs> from the field, not threes, no. not threes. This is from the field. This is, and they're mostly layups. I mean, that's, they're mostly layups and then stupid bank shots that he tries to throw from 16 feet. You're, you're right though. I don't want to, I don't want to talk a lot about the Lakers. We don't deserve to be talked about. LeBron deserves a lot of credit and accolades and conversation. And he should be in everyone's MVP list right now because of what he's been doing since Anthony Davis has gone down. He's averaged like 36 points points a game but that's neither here nor there so in this game in particular the Lakers of course were up I we're up by like 14 in the first half end of the third quarters happening were down big because that's how every Laker game has gone this season it to a to a T up by 15 to 20 in the first half down 10 to 12 going into the fourth quarter we actually uh brought the game to within six and LeBron's off the floor to finish the third quarter we have the ball Reeves just hit a three to cut it from nine to six they get a missed shot. Here comes Russell Westbrook. And we're like, six-point game. You know, we're, we're in this fourth quarter. Let's, let's close this out. There's like 40 seconds on the clock. He comes up the court, immediately jacks a three in like a, a classic two-for-one, you know, two right? That everyone wants to do the two-for-one when there's 40 seconds. You shoot it up, you'll get the ball back again. And it's like Russ knows that. And he's like, oh, I'll do the two-for-one, right? So <laughs> he comes up, jacks it, it terrible shot, like almost air ball. But, but hits the underside of the rim. He's still holding his follow-through like he's Jerry West or something. I don't Like understand. that bitch is going in. Yeah, like, dude, straight up like love and basketball, like Monica, where she's, holding, where she's holding the follow-through for two minutes and coach puts her on the sideline. He's holding that follow-through. The ball barely hits the rim. And Buddy Heald, the guy who's guarding him, is all the way underneath the basket for a layup. Mm-hmm. So, okay, boom, eight-point game. Here comes Russ again. Let's bring it back up. We're gonna, I'll, I'll, I'll write that wrong. <laughs> comes back up the floor, dribbles the ball for 25 seconds, gets into the paint, tries to do a, a, a turnaround defended, tries to throw the ball in, into the lane, which is a terrible pass. He's double-teamed, turnover. They get a three, and it, we're, boom, quarter ends. We're down 11. It goes from six to 11 in a matter of 40 seconds, all because of Russell Westbrook. And that, to me is clearly what's wrong with Russ as well as the disconnect because I don't even think he thinks that sequence is what's wrong. I think he looks at the stats and goes, oh, man, I was two for 14. Oh, no, everyone's going to make fun of me. Or I didn't shoot. I, you know, I didn't score 20 points. I didn't get a triple-double. Everyone's going to hate me. It's like, dude, we literally, every Laker fan could give a fuck how many points or rebounds or assists you have in a game if the result is a win. W. That's all we care about. And that's, to me, I don't think that's sinking in to his head which is the weirdest thing ever. And I don't understand it. Yeah. So two things with that. I I know one way that you could stop the Sacramento Kings from playing cold as ice. Every time you shoot, you hit a shot. Okay. (laughs) You want, you want to, you want to shut up the guy playing that song, just hit some buckets and then it'll be, it'll be over real quick. And then the other thing is, is, you know, to what Russell said after the game where he's like, yo, where have they been the past 14 years? Crazy stat here. Since Russell's been in the league in 2008, how many playoff playoff appearances for Russell Westbrook? Eleven. How many for the Kings? Zero. Zero. All star selections for Russ. Nine. How many for the Kings? Oh man, 
I don't think I'm going to go zero again. Three. They've had three. And I, I think we should talk about who they are because I, I got to go back and think about it. Okay. Uh, okay. All right. They, since uh, 2009, they've had three all-stars? 2008, they've had three all-stars. Russ has been there in there nine times. Wow. Western Conference Finals for Russ, four. Kings? Uh, zero. They haven't been in the playoffs. Right. So it's zero. Yeah. Finals, Russ, one. Kings? Zero. Yeah, yeah. MVP, Russ, one. Kings? Oh, that's definitely a zero. Zero. Okay. So, so Russ does have some validity to what he's saying, right? Like the Kings should be the last team that's doing this, but also the Kings are, need to find something, right? They have a very loyal fan base. Just getting people into that arena um, is a feat in itself. So if they want to play some funny shit, play some funny shit. But <clears throat> to end with the Lakers really quick, they, they have to figure this out or Russell really needs to figure this out because – you can see the frustration mounting with LeBron, and we brought this up on a few other shows. You know, the sensitivity that we're seeing too. I think the, the way that LeBron has been, you know, acting lately is because of all the criticism that they're getting and how bad that they are. You hear him talking shit to the benches. I think it was in that Memphis game where, you know, y'all aren't going to disrespect me like that. Like he's just getting real, real touchy with a lot of stuff that didn't seem like him, right? And I do think that Russell, I don't know Russell Westbrook. He does not know me. I'm not a sports psychologist at all, but I think it is getting to him. As much as these athletes want to say they don't listen to the media or listen to the fans, oh, I'm not on social media, bullshit. You know, you're listening to everybody and it might be in your head. We all know how good Russell Westbrook is, right? But I just think this, this in year 13, how we're trying to get this bank shot that you've never had, or we're trying to be this three-point shooter that you never were, you know, let's stick with what's working. And with what is working with the layups and attacking a rim isn't working either right now, which is so shocking. So they just really got to figure it out. And, and to, to, to go with, to go off of that to the Clippers, um, are, are we not the most inconsistent team in the NBA right now? Like, it's so crazy. We will, even in the past week, like, the, you know, we, we beat Brooklyn in a, in a great game, right? We beat, we beat a healthy Nets without Kyrie, but we beat a healthy Nets. Then we get waxed by Minnesota. And then we have this 25-point comeback on Denver in the fourth quarter. And then we get waxed again by the Pelicans who just own us, right? Sacramento Kings <laughs> and the Pelicans literally own us. Drew, within the first, this is no bullshit. I was working right here on my computer watching the game. It was minute, it was minute, like 10, 10 minutes and 22 seconds. I'm like, this game's fucking over. It's over. in the first, in the first drew. And I, the we're Pelicans just so, have your number, man. They, I don't know what it is. Really. If you watch the last tape, Valanciunas should not be shooting threes. What's the first thing that happens? Valanciunas for three. I'm like, Oh shit. That like he, you are Zubak is his just baby. That is my little baby right there. Um, but Obviously, we have a little more issues with everybody being out and whatnot. Like, we got a whole new rotation of guys coming in. We just signed Xavier Moon for another another 10 days for the COVID hardships and whatnot. But then, you know, Bledsoe's inconsistency. It's just not pretty, Drew. It's really not pretty right now. Um, we got San Antonio tomorrow. Uh, it, I don't know. I, I, again, I try to take positives in the negatives. There was nothing positive about yesterday's game. I think this is really a, a time for like if Brandon Boston's going to be this rookie that, that that we need buckets, right? And Bledsoe's not the guy to get us the buckets right now. I need more from Terrence Mann. We need to get Luke Kennard back from the ankle. We need our our heart back in, in Hardenstein. You know, Ibaka took the day off yesterday too, which was a big deal. But anyways, I don't have much to say. It's not pretty, Drew. No, it's not pretty. It is not pretty. Even, you know, even the wins, you know, every game has been ugly, in my opinion, mm -hmm. <laughs> for the Clippers. And, and you still ground out some wins out of that, which was tremendous. But uh, yeah, I just it's just not going to be good. It's just not going to be very pretty until Paul George comes back. And even then, it, you know, that's kind of what you guys have been has been a grinded out kind of a team this year because that you know your defense is what you can actually impact the game the most on and then your offense it really hinges on whether or not you're hitting your three-point shots and I think that's you know without it's not just you know like you mentioned it's not just Paul George right you got you got quite a few guys that are not have, weren't available in this last game against the Pelicans but hopefully should be back soon I just don't see I don't see it getting any better until Paul George hits the floor again but he also might not be Right. So uh, we're going to find out this week. Ty has gone in talking about like we're preparing for Paul George not to be here all year. That's how we have to look at it right now. Um, we don't know. We're going to find out this week how bad the elbow is if he's going to need surgery. Doesn't mean Kawhi's not going to be able to come back. We're, we're hoping Kawhi. We're, actually, they said Kawhi will be back. Um, and they're planning on that, which will be good if, if that's in time for the playoffs and everybody's healthy. Cool. I do want to say one thing. A guy that's not getting enough 
love. And it's because there's nothing flashy about him and people don't like him as Marcus Morris has been phenomenal, like really, really good. Uh, since he's come back and since he's had to play this role of like shit, Marcus Morris is our go-to guy right now. Right. It should be Reggie, but Reggie has not been playing well either. So it's like Marcus Morris and he's hitting all these really tough shots and he's got this back. I've said it a few times, this back to the basket game that I think he learned from Kawhi that he's pretty, he's pretty money on. Right. And again, like when Reggie and when Marcus and when Terrence and when Luke are all second, third options, it works, right? The whole offense works uh, when Paul George is in the game because, you know, they get better looks at the hoop. It's just it's just a mess right now, Drew. And we got all these guys trying to play a role that they're not used to playing. Um, and the inconsistency is tough. And it, it's, it's, it's hard for me to see them play such a phenomenal game against – Denver and come back and win in like true baller fashion. We've had four games in the past two years that we've come back from 25 points in the fourth quarter to win, which is pretty amazing. Right. But then to just lay a fucking egg again within the first minute, right. Of the game, it was like, Oh shit. Well, this one's over. Um, <clears throat> that's, what's really tough. The team I want to, I'm done talking about our two shitty teams. The team I want to talk about is Memphis right now. Power rankings came out today. They're third, uh, in the NBA, third in the NBA right now in the power rankings, as they should be. And I, I, a few things I want to say. One, I'm very happy for these guys. I really like their basketball team. I know Memphis very well. I lived in Memphis. I got family in Memphis. I've been in the city. I know what grindhouse means. This team has an identity, right? And I think having an identity in, in basketball is a big thing. They fully encompass the city of Memphis. Memphis loves them. And they have this swag, man. I know swag is the word people like to use, but it's more of like this mentality and this attitude. And I've seen it with Ja, their leader all season, where it's like, he really does not give a fuck who they're playing. He said it. I don't care what jersey's in front of me, right? They have a group of guys in Desmond Bain and Dylan Brooks and Jaron Jackson and and uh, DeAnthony Melton and and Ja specifically that are just they're playing their basketball and it's working right. Um, I we were all concerned about like the Stephen Adams pickup, but like it actually worked. He's been out with COVID, but maybe Stephen Adams was the guy to teach triple J, like how to play the center position, how to work on, on positioning, body positioning, getting rebounds and whatnot. And then we're seeing Ja in front of our eyes, just turn into a legit superstar, right? Legit superstar. The things this guy can do is, you know, everybody compares him to Russell and that's a very fair comparison to Russell Westbrook, but the things he's doing is better, man. It's better. And I just think his attitude and his approach to the game, these guys are scary, Drew. And they're, they're scary because they play their best basketball against elite basketball teams, right? They don't fucking dumb it down when they're playing against, you know, Sacramento or or the Pelicans, the guys that, that beat the shit out of me and you. But they're not scared of elite basketball teams, and they beat them. I mean, to me, it's a very similar thing to what we talked about last week with the Cavs, right? Like, both of these teams, to me, are – very young and then just completely bought in like just totally there for each other as teammates next man up mentality the the coaching you know buying into whatever the coach is saying defensively offensively um and i think the grizzlies are even in a better position than the Cavs. i mean clearly they are in the standings but i'm i'm saying even moving forward because john morant is significantly better than like the darius garland version that the Cavs have but like i think what the Grizzlies are is what the Cavs could be in like two seasons. You right. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, so, but they're, to me, this season, they're both teams are like almost, you know, right there neck and neck with who's having the more impressive season, um, especially from the unexpected part of this. I don't think anyone thought the, the Cavs nor the, nor the Grizzlies would be as good as they are right now. And they they have an 11 game win streak going right now. The Grizzlies do. And, the point that you made about them not playing to their competition is a very rare thing in the NBA. Most NBA teams, especially ones that have veterans on them go, uh, not tonight. You know, I'm not, you know, who is it? Who are we playing? Okay. It's the Pelicans. Nah, I don't really want to, I don't really want to die for that ball. I don't want to box out for that rebound, but that's the part of the youth. That's really great and important for the Grizzlies and for the Cavs, but especially this Grizzlies teams, because they're too young to give a shit about that. They're like, they have all the legs. They got, you know, they they're really, I mean, Adams is like the veteran on the team. You know, it's he's like, he's not Adams, even 30. I don't even think he's 30 yet. He's, he's not. It's like Adams and Kyle Anderson are like the two old heads 
uh, on, the, on the squad, which is unbelievable. Um, but there's also like the camaraderie that I see when I watch them play. Adams has been out for four games with the, with the COVID protocol. So you got, you know, some rotation sliding Dylan Brooks rolled his ankle. He's out for three to five weeks right now. And that hasn't mattered. John Morant went down for a couple of weeks with his knee problem. It has not mattered at all this entire season, but in the last run of games here, you know, you have guys like John Conchar who I had no idea who he was until this season because he's on the Grizzlies. Just re he's six, five, he's getting 17 boards. That was last night, right? He got all the boards last night, 17 boards. He's getting right. tip dunks, uh, you know, playing great defense. And, and who the, the hell is John Conchar? Drew, where is he from? Do you know his background? So John Conchar is averaging five points, four rebounds, one assist. Okay. You know what? He's actually an American. I thought for sure that he was going to be an overseas guy. He went to uh, Indiana, Purdue, Fort Wayne. Oh, way to scout, Memphis Grizzlies. He is way 25 years old. Mm. 25 years old, undrafted. But after, after that game last night, it was Conchar that got the interview. John Morant, Jaron Jackson, the whole squad for the interview, just go and dab him, like, you know, rubbing his head, doing, just giving the hugs and all that love. And that's something that you don't, you just don't see that often, right? I mean, obviously he had a, a big game and we saw the Lakers who have a bunch of old guys and veterans dap up, you know, Austin Reeves when he had a big moment. But there is something about the camaraderie uh, for this team in particular that is really, I think it's a driving factor. And their coach wasn't, Taylor Jenkins, I believe, is in uh, protocols right now as well. So their coach wasn't even there and they're still pulling these these games out uh, against the Men Minnesota team that was pretty pretty locked and loaded last night. It was it was a great game, but the Grizzlies I think are um, I don't I still don't think they're contenders. I mean I, I I love watching them play. I love watching John Moran getting in into the lane. Uh, I just I you know I still don't think that they're better than the Warriors or the or the. They could the beat them though, Drew. They can they, beat. They them. can beat them, mm -hmm. and they've, they've they've done it. I mean, mm -hmm. those. That team has done it. They've beaten, I believe they've beaten both of those teams. Who, who am I to say that they can't do it? I just, because of that inexperience, I mean, shit, they only have like one playoff game that they've ever played. Does that matter? Do you think that matters anymore with people with this kind of their outlook in the basketball game? Everything that you and I are saying is so true. Like them not giving an F about, about who they're playing against. I think that only works to their benefit, right? Like I think, especially being in Memphis, you're always going to be an underdog, right? That's a, that's their mentality. That's what their mentality is to, it's a grindhouse because we have to grind it out, but they always had to grind it out because they didn't have like a bona fide superstar, right? Like Rudy Gay was always nice. Zebo was always nice. You know, Tony Allen was cool, but like now you got this, this generational guy in Ja where if he can just stay healthy, right? Because all this jumping and diving and all that shit and him being so small is going to come back and hit him at some point. But you have a bona fide superstar in this guy who wants to be a leader of the team. And, you know, he's been a he's been very vocal about I don't want to say he's been disrespectful, but he said on numerous occasions, no matter who we're playing, like he even went at the kid the other night rocking the the the, the Curry jersey. Right. Exactly. And it, yeah. it, it could have been a horrible uh, look you know, a media look for them. And they immediately flipped it around the next day where it was like, yo, come trade in your opposing players Jersey. We'll give you two tickets, tickets to a game and a new Jaron Jackson or John Morant Jersey. That was awesome. Right. And fans lined up. The kid was the first dude at the game turning in his Curry Jersey. So I don't know. I think they, I, I got my homie, uh, Lou Wright is, is a season ticket holder. Him and his girl, uh, Channing are always on the floor watching the games. They are hyped. The arena sold out. It's a really big basketball town. They love the, the Memphis Tigers. They love their Grizzlies. And now that they have a superstar down there, I just think drew, they can be real scary in the playoffs. Do I think would, would I put money on them winning the title? I want to see the numbers on that first in Vegas. Cause it might be actually really good numbers, but I'd be scared seeing them first round in the playoffs dog. Yeah, especially with a home court advantage and that crowd that you're talking about. I think that's a big deal. And also Memphis, you know, while they're in the West Coast is about as far east as you can possibly get in this country. Uh, so having a, a first round where you're flying back and forth potentially to that location is not great. Um, <laughs> I, I still don't understand how they're in the Western Conference. Uh, it's because of the Vancouver thing. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Uh, I think the reason that I am still not completely sold on them, you know, doing anything. I, I mean, I'm not saying that you think they're going to 
run to the finals or anything. They can, and I believe that as well. I think they can put it together because John Moran is special. And when you're playing good defense and you're be you're able to hit threes uh, and rebound, which is what they do really well, then yes, they can compete and they can beat anybody. But it is in a game like this against the Minnesota Timberwolves that makes me question whether or not they can do that against the elite of the NBA, right? In this T-Wolves game, they won by eight, but it was a very, very close game. And they were able to harass Ja Morant, who is, has been on this MVP-ish kind of upswing, certainly on like maybe, you know, if we want to give him most improved or whatever, you know, second team All-NBA, there, all these things can happen for Ja based on how he's playing. But last night, only 16 points on five of 16 shooting. And, and what they were doing is they were really just, just collapsing on him and, and making him find somebody else, uh, you know, and a lot of the times he was able to throw an alley-oop. I mean, he had nine assists, which is great. That's what you want to see, right? If, you're, if your shot's not falling, if they're forcing you into tough looks, find the open guy. So that was all good. But I just don't trust the rest of those guys in those moments in a playoff series against the Warriors' defense or the Suns' defense to be able to be consistent over seven games enough to get over the hump. That's, that's really what it comes down to me. Do I think they can get to the second round? You're goddamn right. Do if they're, if they're playing it as the four seed or the three seed, they're if they playing up, Clippers or Lakers. Yeah. We're in trouble. Bro. 100%. They're going to beat us. They're going to roll right through us. <laughs> so definitely second round. It's just up against the elite teams. Can mm. it happen? Sure. I just don't think that they're going to get over that hump. If anybody that listens to our show knows San Clemente really well, Bagel Shack is a staple in San Clemente. If you, I am at Bagel Shack two, three, four times a week, either getting Bagel Shack. Oh man. It's either getting my lowers on everything with the sausage, which is your everything bagel sausage, melted cheese, or I'm just getting in there going and getting coffee and they show us love. They have our clips and drew sticker up in there. The owner is always there every morning and he always does basketball small talk with me every morning. I come in, he knows I'm the basketball guy wants to talk about Clippers or whatever. And so I was getting my coffee yesterday morning and it was, I was there early, man, five 15, getting my start my day early, getting my coffee. And he said, so, um, most exciting player in the NBA. And I said, like right now, like this morning, waking up today. And he said, yeah, most exciting. I said, John Moran, like right off the top of my head, John Moran. Most people would say, oh, Steph Curry, which yeah, you could say that most exciting player. And then he just shook his head. He's like, yep, that's the guy right there. That's the guy. <laughs> and he is. He's just fun to watch, man. Uh, he's he's so fun. Dude, that block on oh Avery freaking – was it THT or Bradley? Avery Bradley. I think right? it was Bradley. I'm was. pretty sure it was Avery. That was ridiculous. And the best part about that block was Avery looking at the ref like that's goaltending, right? Like he put his arms up like, what, the, what, are, you, what are you talking about? That's a block. Like, no, bro. He just took that with his elbows off the backboard. That was insane, Drew. Top, do you, I, I put it on our page. Which one do you think is better? Shannon Brown, where the bench with Kobe and Lamar. I think and, Sh Shannon's was a goaltend or a, a no, foul. No, they called a foul. They called foul? a foul. Okay. Uh, Jaws is better because it was it was actually like listed as a block and he was able to get away with it. Shannon Brown's was just – I. I don't know. I would love to see those two guys in their heyday, like just go, you know, dunk for dunk or whatever, like see how high they can jump and what they can touch. Shannon Brown's was crazy because it was just like the one handed one. If, if I'm remembering, he kind of yeah. like scooped it. He just kind of scooped yeah, it, took it out right out the air. <laughs> Jaws is crazy because he hits his face on the backboard. Yeah. And the fact that he doesn't like he's able to land, like compose himself, land, figure out where the ball is and then immediately go the other direction. Like he didn't just get hit like really hard on the by side the backboard. The yeah. <laughs> That's more impressive to me. I mean, especially because it counted. I just he just got so high in the air, bro. I don't know. And of course, Avery Bradley's like, wait, that has to be goaltending. That can't be humanly possible. What he just did at his size, and yet here we are. Avery Bradley's still complaining about that, and uh, we lost that game. I don't want to talk about that game, but that block deserves to be covered on this podcast. I think honestly, you know, it, it's not the most important block but it might be the most, the single most impressive block I have ever seen just from a physical standpoint. Okay. I would, that's funny. You bring that up. Cause a couple come to my mind. Um, I mean, Shaq had one that went to like the 15th row, which right. was insane, but that's Shaq. And you expect <clears throat> that from a center. Okay. That's fair. Uh, there was the Lafonso Ellis 
That's a and good I, one. The Lafonso just took that bitch right out. Just scooped it. Just scooped it. Cause homie, I don't I forget who tried to dunk on him and he just took that, snatched it with one hand and brought it down. For all the OGs listening to the show. That's you a classic run. Yeah. Classic. I mean, LeBron's is the most important block of all time. Giannis's block. Giannis, oh God, Giannis's. Yeah. Shit. Giannis's. But I guess from a pure physical standpoint, like that was super impressive. Nobody thought he was going to do that. Like people <laughs> yeah, thought he was going to get a piece of it. People thought he might, you know, slap the backboard real hard or whatever. Uh, maybe, maybe force the shot to miss, but not, I'm just going to catch this with two hands. Yeah. But Drew, do you see square. if you watch it in slow motion, he's winding up for or it. He like, knows he's going to do it. If you guys watch John Morant, even I posted a video of him doing like just in two line layups. When this dude is, is, is two hand. Yeah. The two hand just, he gets everything from his bounce and he was timing it really well. LeBron should have been impressed. LeBron should have been impressed with that because there's nobody in NBA history that has better timing as far as blocks go than LeBron James. Blocks, right, yeah. ha- hands down. So I agree. I agree. And, and look, I, yes, LeBron, I'm sure, gave him some daps. I mean, John Morant, uh, if he's not a clutch guy, he will be soon. Soon, right? right? Like, so LeBron's got to do some recruiting for LeBron the LeBron dropped the a card to him, right? In the in the dap, like just dropped a card. Yo, yeah, is- man, LeBron's got to get his, his 10% off the 10%, right? Like that's how it works for clutch. LeBron wants to <laughs> fill his pockets a little bit more. Um Man, I love watching that kid play. I I sincerely hope that they that they run and just go. And I would love to see them in the fucking Western Conference Finals or mm. heaven forbid the actual finals. That would just be awesome. Just him and Devin Booker talking so much shit to each other and oh, just like Dylan Brooks, Dylan Brooks, Brooks and Booker, too. the yeah. Brook, the Booker Brooks. <laughs> yes. Those that that would be fantastic. Those guys are gonna get a fight for sure. Yes, that's what I want. If the Clippers aren't there, of course. Yeah, right. Yeah, if the Clippers and Lakers aren't there, ha ha, wink wink. <laughs> like we're gonna fucking do that, please. Oh. There's still hope, Drew. There is still hope. I'm not giving up. I just have this vision of Kawhi coming back in the in the gates of heaven, opening up for Clipper fans like myself. Well, we got we have like zero time left. It's halfway through the season at this point, Clips. We are there's, we are there's eight, like 41 games in. <laughs> there's plenty of time, Drew. We're gonna figure it out. We're all good. Russell Westbrook's gonna magically wake up one morning and he's gonna have a three pointer and he's gonna have a bank shot like Tim Duncan. Like I know he has dreams about having. Oh boy. Um. Hey, but hey. Austin Reeves caught a body as well. We're talking about physical, impressive feats of athleticism uh, that is right along the same levels as John Morant. Austin Reeves, dunk and one. Talk about it, Terrence Davis. How do you like it? Hillbilly Kobe get, <laughs> catching his first NBA body. Uh, final thoughts, Drew? Yeah, final thoughts. Let's yeah. do this. Uh, this is Lakers related. I usually don't have my final thoughts be Lakers related. You don't. But I was sitting around thinking while I was watching the Minnesota-Memphis game that we were talking about, watching D'Angelo Russell on, uh, on Minnesota. And I was thinking to myself, damn, I remember when we drafted him, you know? And then I started thinking about, like, all the other players that we have had in our, in our system and within our roster that are no longer there, that are doing very well. And so I sat down and I, and I jotted down a list of what our Lakers team could look like if we didn't do any of the trades for Davis. Uh, the LeBron thing was a free agency thing, so that could have still happened. But I'm talking about like the major trades and the, and like the, the Westbrook one and the Davis one, right? And so I'm sitting here, I'm like, all right, our starting lineup without LeBron even. Love it. D'Angelo Russell, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Julius Randle, and Zubat. Mm. Starting five. Mm. That's not, not bad. Enough. That's great. If if I mean, how many balls are there though? That's I, I, okay. Lonzo, Lonzo will find. Lonzo okay. will find everybody. We're talking about players right now, like right now, not like rookie D'Angelo. We're talking about players right yeah. now. Okay, and, cool. And, the, and these are all guys that are finding success pretty much everywhere else. <laughs> else, in the right? Coming off the bench, you got Kuzma, Caruso, Josh Hart, mm. KCP, Montrez Harrell, mm. Larry Nance. That's a fucking roster. I'm and then throw LeBron that. in there. Throw LeBron in there. That's championship. You, That's you a- drop LeBron into that, and we're like, we're we're right there with the the Jazz, the Grizzlies, the 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 Suns, everybody. We, I mean, and that's the weird thing. So what what it what it ended up making me do is like thinking about like all these GMs that want to influence their team, and they're they're pulling on the same thread, but on each side, it's almost like an internal tug of war that they have. Right, the draft that makes them you know select the best player possible. And then, you know, you just spend all this time and money scouting these guys and then you draft one. And then, you know, one of these other players becomes a free agent or is interested in a trade. And then you, 
all that time and money and effort that you spent drafting these players and doing all these things immediately goes out the window. And I think sometimes, you know, patience cannot always be afforded in professional sports, but it fucking should be because we drafted very well. Look at all. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, we didn't draft everyone I just listed, but we drafted most of them. (laughs) And we, if we just waited it out, where would we be? It's just an interesting thought experiment for me. Instead of here we are 21 and 21. And I, you know, obviously we wanted to be a lot different place, a lot better. And I think the team that we have with Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Russell Westbrook could very easily beat the team that I just mentioned here in the, in the list that I created, but it's like, what is the point of what we're doing? Right. And, and, and how much influence do GMs have? And are sometimes do you just over tinker? You just like, Oh, I want to just, I'm going to get this guy. We're going to plug these guys in all these new players and it'll work. Sometimes that doesn't work. And Spencer Davies brought up the Jenga board and it's been on my mind with the Lakers organization. It does feel like the Lakers will always risk pulling out the Jenga piece and assuming that it'll stand up as opposed to just building it all the way from the ground up. So that's my final thought. It's more of a, something to ponder than, than really a statement, but it is an interesting thing. No, it's very interesting. And dude, you're preaching to the choir. I say that all the time. You know, I think I've always been big on pieces, right? It's finding the right pieces. And like you said, you spend all these time developing these players and drafting them and getting them to buy in your system. And then, but to what you're to what you're saying though, Drew, you've also said that like Lakers are a win now. It's showtime. It's Los Angeles. We want the glitz and the glamour. Uh, we want to win championships. And sometimes you get blinded by that. And you know, Jeannie's been been in the organization a really long time. She comes from Showtime and all that shit. And that's what used to win it back in the day. Now we're seeing that the Denvers and that the Memphis Grizzlies, the guys that bring people up throughout their organization, get uh, unity and get chemistry. It then it starts to work, right? Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely correct. And I wasn't trying to say that one way was better than the other. Mm-hmm. It's just like this is what could have happened, mm-hmm. right? In a different world where we didn't get LeBron James and then immediately try to start winning championships, that's what our team could look like. It's just an interesting thought, but I also think. I would definitely trade all those guys. I would do all the same moves because we won that championship in 2020. Like it's worth it. That's the end game. So I, you know, I can sit here and say that we could be this if we never made all those moves, but if we didn't make all those moves and we don't get Anthony Davis, we probably don't end up with LeBron. We probably don't end up with the championship, which is the real, that's it. That's why we do this, right? That's why the games are played is for a championship. So I'm not here sitting here saying that what we did was wrong. And I would make all those moves again Mm -hmm. to, to lock down that ring. It's interesting. And I think like Denver, hmm. Memphis, all those teams did a great job of building and winning together. But like it's now it's like, what is Oklahoma going to do? What is, uh, you know, the, the New Orleans Pelican? What are they going to do? Uh, what are these Orlando? Can they stay patient and repeat what the Denver Nuggets have done and what the Memphis Grizzlies have done and what the Cavs are doing right now? Yeah, I think they can. It, do, it does take time. And people always say, like, when you're rebuilding, a rebuild doesn't happen overnight, right? But I think also pulling the trigger when you know you have to pull the trigger. Like, are the Clippers a better basketball team for getting rid of Blake? Yeah, we are, right? We're better We're better because it, it ran its course. We love Blake. I wish Blake was still with us, but not at $150 million, right? Mm-hmm. Are the Clippers at a better team getting rid of Chris Paul? We actually are when you look at it. Like we we, we got the, the right pieces that um, were needed for us to, you know, to get Kawhi and to get Paul George and have the money to do this. We also drafted really well. Like if we got rid of Terrence Mann right now, what was the whole point? of everything that we've we've done with this kid. Amir Coffey, who's turning into a really good basketball player that we saw. Like he's really he's getting the time to 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 develop, get his reps in and he's turning into a really good player. Look what happened to Kuzma. Look what happened to Caruso. Look at Lonzo right now. Like they saw it. That's why they drafted him second, third, wherever he was drafted. Second. Because they knew the potential this kid had. And what's what's crazy is that you develop and you turn them into this basketball player and then you give them to another team to be the best version of themselves, right? So hindsight is twenty twenty. I guess you could also look at it and be like, damn, we drafted really, really well, right? Like, damn, we did really good. Yeah. The, D-Lo, the D-Lo thing, you know, 
he was the better player. It was like D'Lo or Okafor. So right. I'm, I'm, when's the last time we brought up Okafor's name? Never. Exactly. Never. So I'm happy. I'm happy that we went up with that route. And so are the Warriors, right? Because it all worked out for them in the end. They end up with Wiggins. Right. So I, the other thing that I did want to mention before we go to you with your final thoughts is it's kind of on the same path. That's why I'm bringing it up. We saw finally a fun trade happen uh, where the Knicks acquire Cam Reddish and two of the three Dukies are reunited. Uh, it's a similar thing, though, right? Atlanta's done very well drafting. They have this backlog of uh, wings with Herder and Hunter and Reddish and Jalen Johnson is a guy they just drafted, another guy they just drafted. So it's all these wings they drafted in all these years back to back to back. And now they're letting one go because that's just what it is. They paid Herder. They like Hunter a lot, even though he can't stay on the floor. And they think Jalen Johnson has an opportunity to improve and do better. And now they have Kevin Knox. <laughs> they got Kevin another Knox. Mm-hmm. Mix, who's I think on an expiring and probably going to actually find himself in a little bit of a scary situation this offseason if he's a free agent. I don't know how, how much interest he's going to garnish. But your thoughts on the trade for the Knicks and for Atlanta? I don't think Atlanta. There's not much to say, but I think the Knicks. It's pretty exciting, yeah. It's big for the, it's big for the Knicks. They got a good they got a good player that can score the basketball, right? And I don't think he was happy. I think that's why he was the one that they really let go. I don't think a lot of people are happy in Atlanta right now. Hearing a lot of grumblings that John Collins isn't happy, things aren't working in in Atlanta right now, unfortunately. And what you're saying about Kevin Knox, like. Talk about a player that came in with a bang, right? Summer League Kevin Knox was like, that was our talk. We were talking about this kid. And then I don't know if it's Tibbs or maybe he just doesn't fit in the rotation or whatnot. I hope he does well. I hope he can get some burn on this team. But like you said, there's a lot of players that play his position. Um, I think the Knicks came out good on it. Um, they're looking for somebody like that. I, we we say this phrase a lot on the show. Does Does – does uh, Reddish push the needle for them? I don't, I don't think so, but I think they got a quality guy that can get them buckets. Yeah. And he's better than Kevin Knox. Yes. It, to me, the, my biggest reaction was like, wow, I can't believe the Hawks let Reddish go for that little. Right. It's a they, finesse. They finessed them for sure. They really did. I mean, they got a draft pick in return as well as Knox, but you know, a first rounder, I don't, you're, are you going to, are you going to be able to hit a home run on the 13th pick from the Knicks? Uh, that's going to be somewhat better than Cam Reddish? Probably fucking not. So that's just a weird one to me. And I, I always, I, I've been saying for a while, people have piggybacked off my idea. You heard it here first on Clips and Drew. Atlanta has the pieces to trade for Ben Simmons. To me, I would have much rather consolidated more. Cam Reddish, fine. Let's get, you know, uh, John, let's package together some shit. We got Gallinari, uh, Lou Williams, Bogdanovich. We have all these guys. Like you, you can tinker and toy around and actually get a player like a Sabonis or a Turner right? or some of these bigger names. I just didn't, I didn't understand it. And maybe, maybe it is like the first move of a, a set of moves potentially that Atlanta is going to be making, but they are shit right now. And they have been, they can't play defense. And it's not like Kevin Knox is going to change that. And, and Cam Reddish is doing great. I just think they could have gotten a lot more for Cam Reddish, but I'm excited for him on the Knicks. Mm-hmm. And I think Zion, I mean, who knows what happens in two seasons. He might be a free agent. He might not sign the rookie extension, and he could end up with his teammates in 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 a Knicks jersey in two years. I mean, I, I Knicks fans have to have a half chub about even that thought a little bit. I I don't know, man. I think if I'm Zion, I'm signing the extension. I'm geek- taking as much money as I possibly. If I'm can. Zion, I'm not. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely <laughs> signing the extension. I'm yes. signing every I because I don't know, bro. Now I'm on. Now I'm on like. I'm teetering over, damn, dude, this might not actually work out with Zion. Shit. I hope I'm wrong. I definitely hope I'm wrong. Hey, my final thoughts is this, and I haven't brought this up in a while. Uh, My top shot, okay? Mm -hmm. I I have to talk about top shot right now. As you all know, super invested. Um, It was a little slow this summer, like, because we kind of didn't know where season three was, series three was going to go. Top shot has stepped it up, Drew. Like, tenfold they're doing challenges now right yeah almost daily that intertwine with the game going on that night right like five top scores in tonight's you need five moments from them to win a free pack right um which is cool and i normally win all of them because i have enough i have enough of that so i always get a free pack almost every other day but now they came out with a new series called metallic silver series right oh which is they're limited they are hard to get right and the the players that are needed, we don't know till that day, right? So mm. like last night, 
first of all, I'm, let, me, let me backtrack a bit. In order to get that Clay moment, Clay's first game back, the dunk, right? You needed yeah. two, five main scores from that uh, from that night, the top five scores. You needed the Clay debut moment, and then you needed uh, three rare three pointer moments, right? A lot of people don't even have rares. I had all of them, so I was stoked, right? There was only 7,000 people that were going to be able to get it. That means there's only 7,000 of these clays, right? So it's worth like 250 bucks. And it's a great moment to have. Love it, right? And this whole series coming out. Um, like they did Steph's uh, career three-pointer, right? But the the buy-in on that was ridiculous. I It was so far out of my league. Like you needed three Steph rares, right? Which are going for 2,000, 3,000. It was just some of it's too rich for my blood, right? Yeah. Um, but what they do during this is like, like last night was to get for an Evan Mobley, uh, block, right. And Evan only has one moment, which is his triple badge rookie moment. This was going to be a, a rookie moment as well. Cause it's his rookie season, but you needed the, the five top re, uh, rebounders and blocks combined in each game. Right. Wow. So whoever has the most rebounds plus blocks, it's tallied up. If you got seven rebounds, three blocks, 10 points, right? Yeah. So watching it, and I want Mobley because I his his triple badge rookie is going for five hundred. I don't have it, right? Yeah. Um. So I really wanted it, and I had it, dude. I had it, but it was fucking Jared Vanderbilt. Okay. Yeah. Uh, had Minnesota. his he had, he had seventeen last night. His point total. Wow. So he, and he only has one, uh, rookie mo- one moment. So what do you do if you own that moment? You skyrocket that. Yeah. Put picture. the price at a thousand dollars. Well, not a thousand. You have to make it like you can't go from twelve dollars to a thousand, right? But no, I hear what you're saying. You can go from twelve dollars to two seventy five last night, right? Yeah. And I just felt it was a little too rich for my blood, right? I I should have paid it because I want the Mobley, but also a lot of times you put a lot of people that don't have the moments they'll put in a thousand dollars to get this clay moment that's worth two hundred and fifty right now. It may be worth three four thousand a couple years down the road and whatnot, but I'm getting much smarter on what I spend my money on, right? Nice. Um. So this was my question that I wanted to bring up: the gift that keeps on giving, right? Which is my Franz Wagner double badge <laughs> rare rookie. Okay, I pulled that yeah. in my rare pack a couple weeks ago. Great moment to have, right? It's been sitting at like 300, 350 for a while. It'll, it hits 400 often because there's only 750 of these moments, right? And Franz has been a part of a lot of these challenges because he's, he's, he's either in the top in points assists, well. and whatnot. Yeah. So, so here's my question to you, and I have an issue with this, is – we had a Donovan Mitchell metallic silver. That was the that was the, the the what you win if you can get. It was the nine players that were fastest to five assists in each game, right? Wow. So Franz was the first one, got eight <laughs> eight, right? So automatically, people, if you're on the Reddit boards or on Twitter, everybody will be like, "Well, fuck, I'm out." Like four hundred bucks for at, at a minimum to get in on this. Nah, fucking, I'm out. So I'm watching my Franz go from four hundred. It went to 800. It was at 900 at one point, right? I know, right? So I have, and for the Donovan, like I I love Top Shot so much. And my my account is really big right now. I like having the whole collection. But when am I stupid and not sell Franz, right? So that's my question to you. And I had that same question to you a few podcasts back about my Michael Porter double badge rookie series one, which was a big investment for me at the time, but has plummeted since he's gone out. Right. Yeah. I, I still think it's going to be valuable in the future. It's a series one, but my Franz, right. Yeah. Which has won me a lot of stuff. Cause a lot of people can't afford the Franz, but when it's at 750 clips, do you sell and get rid of it and then maybe buy it back at 400? What would you do, Drew? Um, I, so here's the thing, like if, because Franz is doing so well, Mm -hmm. it behooves you to at least end up with one, like sell and then rebuy in. Right. And then you get your profit of a hundred, 200, but whatever the profit is, that makes a lot of sense to me Mm -hmm. because the wave will naturally go down. But I mean, there's a chance that he wins rookie of the year this year. And then that, that skyrockets and then stays at a plateau because he's done so well. Right. So then I don't know, man. I, you know, I, to me, I think, I think would make a lot of sense is you sell it. The next one that comes around, if it gets to a specific threshold that you identify, that's like the money that's worth it. You sell it for the eight or 900, whatever it is. And then when the wave comes back down, you monitor that, you buy them back in and then you have him uh, that same rare 
and then you got a little chunk of change there. You yeah, know, that's how that's how it should work. I I hold almost anything unless it's like something that I know. First of all, can the Clippers be in any of these? Because I have about it's eighty moments. Okay, like can Luke Kennard just be on one of these so I could sell his top? I've got four Luke Kennard right. debuts. All right, can I can I just make a couple hundred off of those? Exactly. Look, the mint was like sixteen hundred on on the Donovan Mitchell. Um, it's worth like almost two hundred right now, so it's cool. Like I, I kept my fronds. I got the Donovan Mitchell. I just got the clay, which is awesome to get. I missed out on the Mobley last night, yeah. but. There's a there's a challenge going on for a rare Steph that's coming out a hustle a hustle and show which I've completed and I'll have that but Top Shot the whole point of this was it's fun man it's getting so fun and then the fact that since we already have to watch all the games anyways I'm watching the games and trying to because then you have to you have to think right the, there were people last night on Twitter that before when when it was announced that like yo it has to be rebounds and blocks people were buying the Vanderbilt at twenty five thirty thirty five dollars because they saw it coming right mm-hmm. and then or they bought two or three of them right and then when it's two fifty they're selling two they're keeping one they've made the profit you know what I mean so it yeah. works. Like when uh, the other night for the clay, we I needed Maxi Kleber. I needed Maxi Kleber and Maxi because he had eight threes that night or whatever. It was the the the, the leading three point shooters. You know, I I had to swallow my pride and pay forty five dollars for a Maxi. But once he got to four, you know, I was like, oh shit, he's gonna be in this. Like I'm gonna have to get it. So I had to, you know, the, a, a moment that's worth twelve or thirteen. You're buying for forty five, but it's for a clay that's gonna be worth. First is an iconic moment that all NBA fans should want, but also yeah. it's worth 250 bucks. So anyways, my whole point was saying that Top Shot is getting so fun and engaging and all these cool moments, like getting people involved. Um, and I love it so much that I didn't sell my Franz Wagner for, for fucking $900, right? So Because, again, it's the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, I was going to say, also, like, the, the obviously, the, the benefit of keeping him is that he'll, he might be in all these challenges moving forward. So, yeah, it's, it's good to obviously have him, right? If you, well, if yeah, you because we, the thing that sucks is these rookies, like, if okay, so this weekend's challenge, this is the first time they've done this. It's tonight till the last game on Sunday is the five top players with the most points all weekend, right? So what's the first thing you look at? Who has a back-to-back? Who has two, two games playing? Friday, Saturday, Friday, Sunday, something like that. So Cade Cunningham has two games this weekend. A Cade Cunningham rookies already it was started at 500. It's probably going to go up to 750 because we're assuming Cade's going to be one of those top five, right? Franz has two games this weekend too, right? So Franz could be in this and it's to win a metallic silver Jalen Brown, right? And again, these metallic silvers are all part of a a set that you're going to want to have, right? Um, like the Christmas day moments that we talked about the Obi Toppin and then the, 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 the Claxton dunk over LeBron. Those are moments that, that you want to have. Uh, I I'm rambling on and I apologize. I know a, a lot of our clips and drew people do, uh, do top shot, but it's just fun and it's very engaging and it really makes the future of these investments and these things just seem more feasible. I got into the NFL one already too, nice. which, I'm not as excited about, but I'm their series one. So I'm just going to keep going on it. But uh, if you guys have any questions about top shot, you want to trade with your boy, you got any moments that, you know, I, 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 I put on our page last night. If somebody had a Jared Vanderbilt would have really made my day, yeah. right? Just to yeah. send me the Jared and, and I'll give you, <laughs> I'll give you 50 bucks to let me borrow it, you know? <laughs> so anyways, that's my, that's my final thought. And hopefully moving forward, we can, uh, you know, just keep the top shot rolling, Drew. That's good, man. I'm, I'm glad that you're, uh, Glad you're uh, staying on top of it because I'm I'm falling by the wayside a little bit. I have not engaged in the top shot moments, so I, I, I got to get back in. I got I might have to use you for a drop next week, though. All right. Don't just don't you. tell the people at Top Shot, okay? Yeah. Yeah. All right. We're gonna be back with you guys shortly. Hopefully this week. Hopefully we got some Clippers and Lakers W's this week. Let's hope. Let's hope we get a couple wins. Uh, we'll be back next week. Prize picks. Make your prize picks. Check them out. Download the app, put in news. Uh, we'll match your money that you put in. Make some good calls, you win some money. It's the follow through with Clips and Drew, and we're ghosts. You know what it is?